So the return of SOB Sports after a little hiatus last week, bringing on Mantor. Mike, how are you, buddy? Ooh, it's all good, Mr. Michael Monty Jr., man. Just living the life here down in Florida. You know, sunshine and butterflies, baby. What were you doing last week that you took the week off? What, what was going on? Well, you know, I've had a, I've had a lot of things going on. I've had a couple minor health issues that I've been dealing with. So I finally got them all taken care of. And, um, you know, I found out in a matter of two days that um, I need cataract surgery and I need hearing aids, according to the doctor, right? And I'm like, what the fuck? 50, I turned 55 and I fall to pieces. I don't understand. Well, that's what happens, bro. I mean, what are, you, what are you gonna do? So, do you need hearing aids, though? I did. You have trouble hearing? Um, I do have a little bit of trouble hearing. You know, I um, I've had quite a lot of concussions, man. Maybe ten or fifteen concussions, and um, I've had surgery on my ears. I've had tubes. I get chronic ear infections. I get an ear infection like every other month, um, like clockwork, and. Um, been getting them like that for probably about the last six, seven years. And um, I just can't seem to fucking shake it. I've had my tonsils taken out. I've had my adenoids taken out. I've had my left ear ripped off the side of my face. Um, nothing has fucking worked. And so um, the ENT specialist sent me for a hearing check and she says that I need hearing aids. So. I guess I have a hard time hearing those uh, low pitch sounds. So, and you know, I wore them for a couple of days. They give me one to test out for a couple of weeks and see if I want to go for it. And they're not fucking cheap, you know. They're like six grand. Yeah. For a pair for a pair expensive. of fucking pair of hearing aids, you know. So, I mean, that's a a nice chunk of money. So, I was kind of on the fence, and so he gave me these uh, set of hearing aids to wear. Um, for a couple of weeks to try to, you know, get me to buy them. And um, so I have to tell you, man, it, it makes one hell of a difference uh, with these hearing aids. And, you know, you, uh, even my girlfriend, Mrs. Dunkin Donuts, she said that, you know, it's funny listening to me talk to her now because I talk to her in such a calm, 
mellow, low-toned voice where, <coughs> excuse me, without the hearing aids, I'm talking a lot louder. I'm straining to talk more, you know, and um, at night I can't really hear the fucking TV, so I got the TV blasting and, you know, she can't sleep and just been a fucking nightmare. So I'm just trying to get everything, get everything fixed, you know, um, week before I went to the Kansas Speedway, went to the NASCAR races for the weekend. That was fantastic. Um, got races on today actually as well from Wilkesbury, Wilkesboro. Um, so, you know, I just been really busy and preparing for a trip and going to Nebraska in two weeks. And then the week after that, um, my family were going on vacation up to the coast of Maine for about 10 days. So, you know, a little busy time of year, you know, the daughter's getting out of school and trying to wrap everything up there and make sure she's passing everything. And just a kind of a hectic uh, month for me, I guess, you know, it happens sometimes. I don't like it too much stress. You do a lot of trips to Nebraska though, huh? Yeah. I go back about every couple months, you know, just to see my friends and, take care of a little business one there, you know, collect some money, beat people up and get the fuck out of Dodge. Right. Come right back to Florida. So I don't want them to think that I've gone anywhere. So, so what's, what's, sure. the, what, what's the culture difference between Nebraska and Florida? If, if I may ask, man, I'll tell you what, you know, uh, the people down here are really nice. Uh, but there's just something about that Midwestern hospitality that, you know, a person really starts missing, right? I mean, you know, people are nice down here and sometimes you get the feeling that they're putting on a front for you. Uh, but back in Nebraska, man, people are just genuinely nice and they really mean it, you know, from the heart. Um, of course, you know, with my outgoing personality, I haven't had any problems whatsoever making new friends and so on, so forth down here. But, you know, I've, I've got lifelong friends up in Nebraska that, that I miss and stuff like that. And, um, like, my father and my daughter are going back in July for a couple of weeks. My dad said he wants to see some of his friends. My daughter wants to see some of her friends. And so, you know, it's it just kind of staying in touch with people, right? Because out of sight, out of mind. Well, speaking of friends, a couple of fans out there asking uh, what's going on with PN News. Uh, is there any update? Will he be returning back to your show or are you going solo the rest of the way? Well, I mean, it's kind of still up in the air right now. Of course, we'd love to have him back. Um, you know, Paul's going through some uh, serious health issues at the moment. And so we're trying to make sure that he's got them under control before uh, – he comes back and, um, you know, of course, we don't want him having a fucking stroke on TV. Right. And so we want to make sure that he's healthy and um, happy. And when he's ready, he's ready. And, you know, we'll welcome him back with open arms. But right now it's just kind of up in limbo. You know, I probably said too much. I don't know if he wanted me to tell everybody, but it is what it is. And um, it would you know, be good ratings, uh, though, Mike. If he stroked out on the show. Oh, no, no. Yeah, you know, it, it definitely would give people something to fucking talk about. You know what I mean? For sure. I don't know about ratings, but <laughs> I mean, I'm not really exactly going for, you know, uh, top of the ratings chart here, you know, in one, one go. I'm you know, rather, I'd rather get there with my personality and my character, my simply outstanding looks, right? That's for sure. 
anyone didn't know when Mike first got on the show, he didn't have a shirt on. I said, keep it off. It'll be good. People will love it. <laughs> hey, so uh, a couple of days ago, the wrestling world lost superstar Billy Graham. Um, what were your thoughts on superstar Billy Graham? You know, he was one of the early pioneers of uh, the professional wrestling business, in my opinion. You know, he's right up there with uh, Bruno San Martino. Um, but I think he, you know, had an incredible body, incredible physique, and he obviously, you know, took good care of himself health-wise and watched what he ate, was in the gym on a regular basis. And um, he wasn't too bad of a worker either, you know. Um, had a lot of big matches with uh, San Martino and stuff. They had actually beat him for the belt that day a couple times. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he was a great, great worker, and, um, you know, he was just one of those guys that, paved the way for guys like me in the business right so very grateful for his contribution to the sport but how does a guy like you uh look at the past i mean is there is it is it something that you re you relish uh you know being that you're a former wrestler yourself do you when those guys used to come back in the locker room was there what was the what was the what was the experience like and how did you treat those guys was it like no big deal or did you, was it, did you have to show respect? Um, well, I think as a man and a human being, I think you naturally just have to show some respect for your, for your colleagues, right? Um, past, present or future. Um, you know, they've obviously earned their respect, so it's pretty easy to give it to them. You know, it wasn't no laughing matter, but you weren't bowing at their feet or kissing their feet by no means, you know, just treating them like you would, you know, uh, the next guy. So that's, you know, basically it, just letting them know how much you appreciate everything they've done for you and, um, you know, thank them and kind of move on. Well, the reason I ask, you always hear these stories, right, that um, when the veterans enter the locker room, if the younger guys didn't give them the respect or carry their bags or do anything like that, it, it was a problem. Is that something you experienced or no? Um, no, not really. And, and, you know, I would never put any, any wrestler with uh, little to no experience in that position either. I would never ask or expect someone to carry my fucking bags. You know, um, if you can't carry your own bag, you shouldn't be in the fucking business. Right. Um, so I just think that the people who act like that and who treat other wrestlers or human beings like that, I just think they're a piece of shit, you know, and totally would lose all respect for them. If I ever seen somebody said, hey, rookie, grab my bag. I was like, man, motherfucker, get your own bag. You ain't that fucking great yourself. So who the fuck are you to tell somebody to carry your own bag for fuck's sake? You, you know, never had an experience like that where someone told you to carry their bags or oh, and if somebody you differently because you were new to the locker room? No. If somebody would have asked me to carry their fucking bags, I'd have looked at them and told them to go fuck themselves. You know, we'd have been in a fight instantly, put it that way. Um, you know, I've never been an ass kisser ever in my life. Um, I didn't get where I was at to, you know, from becoming an ass kisser my whole life. You know, I've earned everything that I've gotten in life, and I'm going to continue to, you know, be that way. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are used to having everything done for them or given to them. And, you know, in life, that, that doesn't do you any favors in life, if you ask me. Um, 
you don't learn any lessons, you don't learn how to be responsible, and you damn sure aren't respecting anybody by treating them better or worse than you are, treating, thinking they're beneath you. Um, that does no one any favors, you know. Like I've said on this show many times, if people would just be nicer to people and treat people better, this world we live in would be a better place. You know, it's um, it's going to hell in a handbag in a hurry. And it seems like every day you hear of another disaster or, you know, something very bad happening. And I'm just, I was talking to an old buddy this morning from Nebraska and, and he's a multimillionaire and he's got a good business going in Omaha family business that's been going on for over a hundred years. And, um, we were actually talking about Donald Trump and we said, you know, he was like, I agree with everything Donald Trump has done. He said, but his mouth writes checks that his ass can't cash. And he said he totally disagrees with the way that he talks to people and and the shit that he says. He said if he would just run the country and keep his fucking mouth shut, you know, people would just leave him alone. And I, I truly believe that that's a true statement, you know. Um, Donald Trump has done a lot of great things, uh, a lot more fucking things he's done for this country than this piece of shit Joe Biden has done. You know, this guy is just trying to run us into the fucking, um, into the ditch and to keep us from, you know, breathing again, you know, I mean, you'll be scrolling on Facebook and every day you see hundreds of ads of the government giving you money and they're going to give you money for this. And if you don't have health care, they're going to give you 6,000 a month. And, you know, if you don't have that, they're going to give you this. And they're trying to give out all these handouts. And why are they trying to do that? In my opinion, they're trying to do that because they're trying to make you dependent on them. So, and if you're dependent on them, that means they can control you a lot easier. That means their narrative is going to go by pretty smooth because, you know, when a person gets used to getting free shit, well, they expect it and they adapt their life to that free shit. And once they start to lose that free shit, they start to panic. And so the government, I think, is really trying to control um, it's people, they're trying to hold us down. And I really think that they have um, ulterior motives on, you know, the shit they do. Um, it's just crazy. And it's really sad, you know, um, you know, all the shit that all the times they've tried to bury Donald Trump. And now all the evidence they got on Joe Biden and his son Hunter, and they're just sweeping that shit underneath the fucking rug. Like, it's okay, Mr. President, just give your son fucking $10 billion. That's all right. I mean, as long as, as long as you're not getting it, then we don't care. You know, fuck that bullshit, man. You know, he's a, he's a corrupt motherfucker, and I'm really surprised that nobody's actually shot his ass up until now, to be honest with you, because he's a fucking crook. <laughs> well, tell us what you really feel, Mike. <laughs> well, listen... You said that we should talk about more different shit on this show, and you even mentioned politics, and, and you kind of led me right into that. You know, I mean, Joe Biden really is a fucking piece of shit. I mean, I'm not calling him something that he's not. 
I'm not over exaggerating here. Tell me one fucking. Did you did you ever feel about? Did you ever feel as poorly about a president? uh, Never in my another president other than Biden. Can you name another president you disliked as much as Biden? Mm, No. No. Joe Biden is the worst of the worst, man. He is like that fucking Jeffrey Epstein. Um, that's what kind of a person Joe Biden is. You can compare him to Jeffrey Epstein. And we all know what kind of person Epstein was, right? Um, and again, I don't think that he hung himself at all. I think somebody fucking killed that motherfucker, you know, because um, they didn't want him to talk because, you know, he uh, he would start naming names and, you know, he already named the fucking Prince of fucking England um, as being one of his fucking cohorts in crime. And so once that shit started coming out, man, they just said, we need to get rid of this motherfucker quick before he drops my name. And they did, you know, I mean, how are guys, how are guards going to just not be paying attention to somebody, not watching somebody? When somebody is on suicide watch, for God's sake, you know, that was an inside job that smelled corrupt. That was corruption from Jump Street, you know, and I mean, they must really think that the American people are fucking stupid to believe that he killed himself. I mean, come on, man. He was a sick motherfucker and um, abused women, abused girls and maybe children. Who knows? And um, he had the names of names on his in his black book. And before he released his black book and named names, they fucking killed him because he was supposed to be watched 24-7. And I don't know if you've ever been in jail or in prison or anything, but when you're on suicide watch, you're in a fucking room with cameras and they're watching you every half second of every single day. And so there ain't no way that they're just going to sit there and watch that guy kill himself. You know, um, I don't know. I mean, nobody really knows, but it's just, you know, it's again, it's just my opinion and I, I could be way off base and that could be reaching for something. But in my heart of hearts, I truly believe that people higher than Epstein fucking had him killed, you know, and, um, I mean, but I know. you know, Mike, this isn't the first time this stuff has happened in this country, right? We've washed away some a lot of people who were sinning or were gonna lay other people out if they continued to stay on this planet. Do you think do you think the world has changed even worse? Or do you think it's the same, but you know more about it? How about that as a question? Well, again, I had the same conversation this morning with a good friend of mine. And this world is going to hell in a handbag in a hurry. Uh, we're not in the 1980s no more. I, I, this, this, my friend that I'm talking about, he's 20 years older than me, so he's 75. And I was like, you know what? I truly believe that you and I grew up in the greatest generations. And he says, why is that, Mike? I says, listen. I said, we used to drink out of a fucking garden hose. I says, we never, we never were allowed in the house if it was light outside, you know? You weren't allowed to come in until the streetlights came on. And um, we never had cell phones. We never had computers. We never had social media. You know, we drank out of a garden hose, for God's sake. We rolled in, we rode in cars with 
no seat belts. We rode in the back of pickup trucks. And you know what? We all survived, or at least a good chunk of us. And now you got these cell phones. These kids are glued to the cell phone. I catch myself even being glued to my cell phone. My girlfriend says, what the hell are you doing on your phone? I'm not doing anything interesting. Maybe just fucking flipping through Instagram or Facebook. Um, but I'm still on the fucker. And I remember growing up, man, I was outside playing with my fucking Tonka trucks in the dirt or playing tag or playing football and touching the street and tackling the grass, you know, uh, just used to do, just used to entertain myself so much, man. And I'm not, I'm not talking about fucking Rosie Palm either, buddy. I'm talking about legitimate fucking fun and playing with your friends and having laughs and falling down and getting scraped up and, wiping the fucking dust off and continuing on, man, and your fucking arms split wide open. You don't give a fuck because you're having fun. Right now, if somebody falls down, oh, my arm, my arm, my fucking arm, I'm bleeding, oh, my God, I'm bleeding. You know, fuck all that shit, man. Grow a fucking sack for, for yourself, you know. Um, I don't know, man. Life was so much better when I was younger, and now it's it's fucking terrible. Every time I turn on the news, I hear, uh, see some fucking mass shooting some fucking place, right? And uh, fucking crazy, man. I mean, what is going on with people, man? What the fuck are they thinking? Well, let me ask you, you brought up, you brought up mass shooting, right? And uh, previous episode, we spoke about bullying and everything like that. Um, do you think the generation now is just too soft and they can't handle the bullying? Absolutely. Well, hold on. Has the as the bullying got worse considering social media and then going back, we were just talking about how you grew up and how much different it was. Do you think if social media was back then, do you think people would have reacted that same way with mass shootings? I, I mean, what, what are your thoughts there? You know, I think bullying is, is at its all time high. And I think it's at its all time worse because of social media, because, you know, People might not think that their words hurt people, but your words sometimes go through people like a fucking saber sword, right? And um, cutting through butter. And um, people are sensitive, man. We have, there is a generation of fucking pussies out there, right? You go boo, and then, oh my God, he fucking scared the shit out of me, man. I can't believe I'm traumatized. Fuck off. You know, throw a fucking sack. Um, I just think when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The parents, man, it's, it's, it comes down to the parents. The parents have raised a generation full of pussies. They've made it okay to say, well, I can't fucking do good in sports, so let me say that I have a vagina and I want to participate with women and I want to win. And their parents said, okay, son, do whatever you want to do. Do what makes you feel better. Fuck no. You know, if my son came to me and said, Dad, I think I'm transgender, I would say, go fuck yourself. Look between your legs. You got a penis and two nuts. 
okay? You're not a woman, and you're never going to fucking be a woman, so get the fuck out of here with that stupid shit. That's exactly what I would tell my kids. And I wouldn't sugarcoat it whatsoever because I don't sugarcoat things, right? I mean, but if my kids came to me and said, Dad, I think I'm gay, I would say, fuck off, okay? It's a phase, all right? Think about something else. Go out and play in traffic. Go do that. See if you're a traffic controller. Let me know. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Fuck. Let me know how that shit works out for you. You know what I mean? For real. All right, listen, we're going we're gonna to try a new segment. It's called uh, Feels Like the First Time. So every week I'm going to ask a question about a first time. I, I had to get out of that one, brother. Um, so it could be anything. But so the first question we're going to have is, feels like the first time. Tell the fans out there the first time that Mantor had sex with a woman. Tell the story. <laughs> Oh my God! I was, man, I was, I was freaking the fuck out, man, because I was a freshman in high school, and I was with the fucking senior, and she obviously seen the stud in me that I was going to become, so she was infatuated with me, and um, I was like a kid in a candy store, but didn't know what the fuck to do. Right. And um, I mean, I made I made it through it. I think I busted a nut in like, I don't know, 45 seconds or something. Right. It was the fucking greatest thing fucking ever. I've never been able to achieve that climax again, actually. And um, but it was it was scary. It was fun. It was outrageous. It was. one of the best feelings I think that, you know, a person can actually go through, especially when they've never gone through it with another human being before, you know, it's one thing just masturbating yourself, you know, you're going to jack off and come and Hey, it's all good. You got your deed done, but man, when it's your first time with a woman, man, Oh my God, it's like the greatest fucking thing on earth. It's like you're in a candy store and you've ordered all these fucking ice creams, but there are so many fucking toppings on. You just don't know what's to put on because they're all good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that was, wow, man. I, You know, it was just kind of like your first kiss. It's like, wow, that felt fucking great. And in all reality, it hasn't been any different than any other kiss that you've had, um, except it was your first one, right? So... You know, of course, having sex the first time, you didn't really know what you were doing, and you're just kind of experimenting and going with the wind. But, uh, you know, it was really not any different, really, than the last time I've had sex, except I know what I'm doing now, and and I can relax and enjoy myself instead of being all tensed up and can't wait to fucking pop, right? So, I mean, I don't know. It's just experience, man, just life experiences, you know? changes the outcome on things. So uh, I guess you're aware we lost Jim Brown yesterday, uh, late yes. yesterday. Talk to, talk to us about Jim Brown, your thoughts as a sports fan of Jim Brown, what he meant to football, what he meant to uh, community, and then maybe we could go back and forth on uh, 
where Jim Brown would rank in the history of uh, NFL running backs. You know, Jim Brown was, again, he was a pioneer in NFL football. He was a great African-American athlete. I think at the time he was probably the best um, to come out of pro football. You know, he became a, a great actor. He became a great public figure, a spokesperson. Um, I think Jim Brown did a lot for the African-American community um, as a whole. Um, very sad to see him pass away, but you know, we're all gonna, we're all gonna be there someday, right? Um, but I think Jim Brown done some great things. I think he was one hell of a tough son of a bitch running back. And um, he was hard to bring down, man. I mean, for one man to bring him down, you were doing something if you could bring Jim Brown down by yourself. Because he had a lot of power in those thighs, man. A lot of power. And he was a big dude, too. He wasn't little. So, you know, I mean, it was another, you know, sad day in history. Uh, but, you know, he lived to be, you know, what, 87 years old, 85, 87, something like that, I see. So he lived a nice, long, healthy life. And fuck, I'll be grateful if I see 70, you know. So, I mean, 87, I can't even imagine what it's like to be 87. But I think, you know, Jim Brown was a great personality. I think he he fought for a lot of uh, human rights when it comes to Af African-Americans. And I think he had a very successful career as a whole. Well, but, uh, what, what's your opinion on Jim Brown? Mike, that would be nice. Sorry, I had trouble unmuting my mic. Um, I think Jim Brown is uh, or was uh, a great human being to begin with. Um, the godfather of uh, NFL football in many uh scenarios obviously the first great running back but i've said this and i want you to weigh in and again people could take offense to this but i felt if jim brown played in today's nfl he would have been just a okay running back uh what are your thoughts on that you know i tend to agree with you there and only because of one thing the athletes in 2023 are way bigger, way stronger, way faster than the athletes in 1965, 1970. I mean, you just can't help that. It's just, it's facts. Facts are facts. And athletes today are bigger, stronger, faster. You know, they have more, you know, um, enhancements at their disposal, steroids, uh, growth hormones, peptides. You know, there are so much, so many more things that they have at, at their discretion to use to make them faster. So I don't think there's, I don't think it's fair to the athletes of the early 60s and 70s to compare them to the athletes of today. I mean, if you were a phenomenal athlete in the 60s and 70s, you're still going to be a great athlete in 2020. You might not be as good or might not be as prominent, but you're still going to be talked about. There's no doubt about it. I mean, but there's such a big difference today on the, on athletes today than there was even 10 years ago. 
um, they're just bigger, stronger, and faster. You know, except when it comes to professional wrestling, because all the fucking guys that are on TV today are fucking midgets. And, you know, back when I was wrestling, you know, there was, you seen all the 400-pound guys you fucking wanted to, and they were beasts, you know. Tell me today, Mike, how many four legitimate 400-pounders do you see wrestling on TV today? How many? Not many, man. Not many at all. And, I mean, that's really what my problem is with wrestling. Um, you know, we met in Florida a couple <coughs> – probably about over a month ago, um, hung out for the weekend. But when you see you – I don't know you're a wrestler uh, per se, but I definitely know you're something, right? I could see the size of you, right? Uh, huge, massive guy. And, guys, we're not talking about, um, you know – a regular massive guy. Mike is friggin' nightmarishly huge. So you, you know, we, we talked about superstar Billy Graham, right? And, you know, the story is when you used to see him walking around the city, you didn't know he was a wrestler, but you knew he was someone. Somebody. That same thing, yeah. Right. That same thing goes for Mike. I feel exactly the same way. So yeah, wrestling, wrestling has become the, uh, well, we got to be fair here. Uh, I don't think the WWF really leans towards what you're talking about. The guys still in the WWF are big guys. I mean, if I was going to throw Austin Theory at you, don't you think Austin Theory would have translated back when you were wrestling? He could have been, right? He could have been a wrestler. He's still a big guy. He's not massively huge like a Mantor or a Kevin Nash, but he's certainly a, a Bret Hart physique, I would think. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, you know, I mean, in my opinion, Bret Hart was a midget. You know, I don't even think Bret was 200 pounds. And, you know, Austin Theory can't be but 220, maybe two and a quarter. I don't really know how much he weighs, but, you know, even still, he's not a very big wrestler. You know, but there were a lot bigger guys even the small guys. Yeah, but dude, I, I can't. Yeah, I don't mean to interrupt you. I, can't, you can't say Bret Hart was a midget. The guy was a big dude. Again, was he as big as you know you or he wasn't seven feet? But when Bret Hart got in the ring with uh, Bret Hart, did did you ever wrestle at Bret Hart within your career? Yes, I did. Yeah, I did actually. So again, I, I can't remember. I, I'm sure I saw the match, but. When you're wrestling Brett, it's believable that he could beat you. It wasn't like it wasn't believable. I mean, do you not feel that way? No, I mean, it, it was totally believable. But it was believable because of the way that he worked in the ring. I mean, Bret Hart wasn't small by no means. You know, he was an average-sized dude um, that, because of his wrestling style, People believe what he did was more effective because of the what of excuse me because of the way that he worked. Um, he wasn't a midget, but he wasn't huge either. And I would say that he was in the you know one ninety to two ten range, and that's not huge. You know, but it's not little either. I mean, the guys today, 
are a lot smaller, in my opinion, than Brett. I mean, look at the fucking Young Bucks, for example. Here's a great tag team. They do a lot of impressive shit, a lot of high-flying stuff. But I think they're only like 175, 80 pounds apiece, if that. I mean, they're, they're fucking midgets. You know, um, there's just not, there's no, there's no big shows. There's no Rikishis. There's no Bam Bam Bigelows. There's no King Kong Bundies. There's no, there's no Mantars. Uh, there's no Bastion Boogers. There's just no fucking big dudes. You know, I mean, I think the biggest guy um, on WWE's rosters probably would be Omos or, or Braun Strowman. And Omos is a legitimately uh, seven-fucking-footer. And I'm not talking height. You know, I'm talking more, you know, 400-pound wrestlers. Um, but, you know, there's, there's not a lot of guys. I mean, there was guys like Brian Adams and, uh, and Brian Clark that were uh, legitimately 290 pounds. And these fucking guys were beasts. I mean, beasts. They were in beast mode 24-7. And it was a pleasure to wrestle them guys because you could have great fucking phenomenal matches and you're all big guys and you're out there flying around doing middleweight shit. And they're like, wow, what the fuck was that? That was incredible. And, you know, so it makes some of this shit that these little guys do not so impressive. You know, not so impressive. I had a fan the other day message me on, on Facebook Messenger and he was like, Mantar, I'm a huge fan. He said, I loved your character. And he says, your match with Bam Bam Bigelow was one of the greatest ever. I was like, bro, thanks. We were out there. We were two fucking 400-pound tanks fucking suplexing each other, you know, jumping off the fucking top rope and, you know, doing all, all this crazy fucking shit. We had a classic fucking match. And... It was obviously believable. You know, I remember we did that match a week before WrestleMania. I put Bammer over because he was getting ready to wrestle uh, Lawrence Taylor in WrestleMania. And so they wanted somebody um, to put Bam Bam over to make him look super strong. And I was the guy. And um, I loved doing that job for Bammer because we had a fucking phenomenal match. He was grateful. He says, man, thanks, man, Tar. He says, totally unexpected. But I sure do appreciate it. I said, hey, bro, you know, fucking good luck next week, man. Fucking break a leg. Not really, but break a fucking leg. And um, it was all kudos and cream. You know, I just think the guys today are just too fucking little. And there's no storytelling whatsoever. You know, back when I remember I watched a match with uh, superstar Billy Graham and Bruno San Martino. When superstar Billy Graham beat San Martino for the belt. Now, these guys, they didn't do any high flying. They did a classic big man, strong man match. They told a fucking phenomenal story from start to finish. But the wrestling match itself wasn't very exciting. Kind of boring, but you believed it because they told a great story. 
They told a phenomenal story. There wasn't a lot of fucking super extravagant wrestling moves. Yeah, but do you think it's also a generation? <coughs> I mean, we, we, we talked about to today's society. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and, sure. I mean, you know, you, guys, you're used to so, a certain style now. And, you know, again, maybe today's group um, decides they don't want to see that strong style, right? No, but you know what? I think if they're true wrestling fans and they're going to a wrestling show, I think they're going to appreciate a wrestling match that tells a story way more than they appreciate two guys out there just flying around and just going back and forth toe-to-toe for a fucking 10, 15 minutes and then boom, finish. There's no story there. There's no story. You know, and... Not even real, a bunch of fucking wrestling holds. Bunch of drop kicks, bunch of hair camaradas, you know, shit off the fucking top rope, 360s, 210s, whatever the fuck they call them. And, uh, you know, it's just, I don't know, man. If I'm going to a wrestling match, I want to see a fucking wrestling match, not a croquet match. Mike, did you ever work with the ECW crew at all? Any of those guys that worked ECW back in the day? Yeah, I did. I, I worked up at ECW for a couple months, actually. Um, you know, a lot of fighting, a lot of brawling. And, you know, when you have them kind of matches, man, you don't need to call anything ahead of time. You just go out there and fucking do it because you're not having a wrestling match. You're just having a fucking brawl. And it's easy to hit people with chairs and pizza pans and, you know, shit like that. You know, it's just fucking easy to do to go back and forth. You get one, I get one. Boom, 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 boom. So are you like talking, did you work, did you work with, uh, rest in peace, uh, New Jack at all? No. And I, I wouldn't have wanted to work with him because if he'd have took a fucking liberty, um, on me, like he did with some of them guys, I'd have fucking killed him. I would have straight out fucking killed him. So how does that conversation take place? Are you like sitting there watching his matches while you're there? And are you like, don't put me in a ring with that dude because it, it's good, it'll get real? Um, no, I never actually said it. I never thought that they would put him on with me. Um, if they would have said, Mike, you're wrestling fucking New Jack, I would have said, okay, I don't want to, but I will. If he does any stupid fucking shit, you better call the ambulance because he's going to need it. That's exactly what I said. Plain and simple. Who did you work over there with? Um, let me see. I worked with, uh, wow, that was a long time ago. I worked with the, the Blue Meanie. I worked with uh, um, that little fucking wrestler, the Giant Killer, uh, Mikey Whipwreck. Uh-huh. Um, trying to think. Uh, well, let me ask Asa. you this: what, Was there a difference in talent? Because you know, you come out of the major leagues with the WWE, and then you go to ECW. Uh, are these guys as good of wrestlers as the guys in the WWE, or is it is it a whole different game? 
Um, I thought it was kind of a whole different game. I mean, the guys in ECW, they could wrestle and they knew how to wrestle. They were trained wrestlers, most of them. Um, but brawling was their forte. Um, not to say that they've never had actual wrestling matches or did actually wrestling moves because they did. Um, but it was nine out of 10 times. It was a brawl and not a wrestling match. And that's okay because it's easy to brawl and it's, you know, believable. And, you know, there's just more times where you can get hurt in the ring. Right. So, I mean, it made it, made it a little fucking different. But, I mean, it was easy. I mean, it was easy to do. You never had to worry about fucking shit up because you can't fuck up a brawl, right? Um, <laughs> but but you can you can fuck up a wrestling match in a hurry. Yeah. For sure. right? Were you worried about the crowds over there, the raucous crowds? No, man. They were fucking great, man. I mean, they just wanted you to fucking – they just wanted you to punch somebody in the fucking face, man, or hit them with the chair. They didn't give a fuck. They just wanted to see you beating somebody up. They just wanted to see somebody get beat the fuck up. That's all they cared about. And they were phenomenal fans, man. They were some of the greatest fans I've ever been wrestled in front of, right? These fucking fans were crazy. I mean, but they loved a good ass kicking. And there's nothing wrong with a fucking wanting a good ass kicking and wanting to see a good ass kicking. I love to see a good ass kicking every now and then, right? I mean, fuck it. You want to entertain me, buddy? Knock yourself out. Start fucking dancing. Don't make me laugh. No. <laughs> you know, you mentioned Bigelow earlier. What was Bigelow like as a person? Did you know him Great. on a personal level? Um. Yeah, I talked to Bammer on a regular basis. He was a real down-to-earth, even-keel guy. Never got too excited. Um, one thing about Bammer is you didn't want to piss him off. Because you pissed him off, you woke up the fucking bear. And the bear was great when the bear was fucking hibernating. But when the bear fucking was pissed off, man, you wanted to get out of his way. Um, so that's a case of beer, Michael Monty. Can you share with the can you share with the fans a time that you saw Bam Bam Bigelow get pissed off? Hmm. I don't know if I've ever actually seen him get pissed off um, in the locker room. I see him get pissed off one time. I was in the locker room and watching the monitor, and he was in the ring wrestling a fucking jobber. And Bammer shot this guy in and went for a fucking backdrop, and I – I think the guy was supposed to kick him in the chest and stand him up. And instead he kicked Bama right in the fucking mouth, man. That shit happened to me before. I almost bit my fucking tongue off. I had like 32 stitches in my tongue. Almost bit my tongue clean off. But I remember he kicked Bama right in the fucking face. Bama fucking stood up and clotheslined this motherfucker in the next week. I mean... He literally wrapped his arm around his fucking neck and just tore his fucking neck off. And this guy landed right on the back of his neck, and I just went, oh, fuck me, that hurt. You know, and Bammer put the fucking boots in this guy like five or six times, and then got right back to fucking working. You know, um, 
I remember you ever remember seeing Perry Saturn fucking um beat the shit out of that guy on Monday Night Raw that time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where he threw the guy in the steel steps and you know, he he pretty much lost his job over over that because if he would have just stiffed him one time and paid him back, or maybe even twice and paid him back, it would have been probably okay. It would have been expected. And like, you know, shit happens all the time, right? People get fucking popped in the jaw and they're going to give the guy the receipt. You know, the receipt's coming. So you can't be mad at the guy because he gives him the receipt. But Perry Saturn kept fucking giving this guy a receipt for like 10 minutes, beat the fucking shit out of him for the rest of the match. I mean, really, really beat the guy up and did everything he could to this guy to fucking hurt him. And I was like, man, that's like overkill. Why don't you just put him in a chokehold and fucking put him to sleep? That would have been so much fucking easier and better. At least they would have counted his ass out, you know? Um, But, yeah, he kind of got blackballed by the office after that, man. Um I think after that, they made him wear that stupid fucking dress and carry that mop around, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know, and listen, that's fucking degrading, man. That's demeaning. You know, I mean, if you're getting pissed, if you're going to get pissed off at me, fucking beat me on TV for a couple weeks. But don't make me wear a fucking dress and carry a mop around for six fucking months. I mean, that's like terrible. Who the fuck does that? I don't know, man. You and a dress would be a pretty good gimmick, I think. It might might not be too fucking bad, you know. I mean, me and anything would be fucking great, to be honest with you, man. I mean, fuck, if these people could have seen me sitting in this chair without my shirt on before we started shooting, man, they would be like, oh, my God, man, Tar, you've been in the gym, buddy. Good for fucking you. Getting it done. (laughs) Getting it done. Getting it done. Yeah, man. So, listen, Uh so. Before we uh, end this fucking episode, which has been great, actually, we talked about a lot of shit today. Yeah, we did. You we know, did. It was good. I want to uh, I want to talk about a little uh, sports, if I don't mind. Go ahead. You know, I like to talk, I'd like to talk about NBA basketball. You know, um, the Lakers are down two games to none against the Denver uh, Nuggets, and I think Game Three is either tonight or tomorrow night. I think in in LA. But L.A. has showed up in these playoffs, man, and and I'm surprised. You know, LeBron, LeBron broke a record the other day in game two that he shouldn't be very proud of. LeBron has gone 0 for 19 from three-point land in the playoffs. He hasn't made a play. He hasn't made a three pointer in the fourth quarter since I think the first round of Game Two. Um, he has an NBA record. He's went over nineteen in his last three point shots in the fourth quarter. That's not a record I want on my resume. So, you know, Michael Jordan would never have that fucking record on his resume because Michael Jordan never shot that many three pointers. Didn't have to. Um, But the surprise of the playoffs, now I might be eating crow. I might be the one buying dinner and drinks for everybody because the Boston Celtics just lost game two last night in the Boston Garden to the Miami Heat, and they're down two games to nothing in the Eastern Conference 
finals. And I find that to be incredible. I mean, I'm very happy because the Miami Heat are showing up. And I'm a Florida resident. And if you're fucking playing sports in Florida, I'm rooting for you. But the Boston Celtics, the team that I said was going to win the NBA championship easy, are down two games to nothing and going to Miami for game three. So they I'm, are. I'm a bit in shock about that too, Mike. I was not expecting that at all. I thought this, I really thought the NHL and the NBA uh, finals were all both going through Boston. I'm shocked that both teams are struggling. And, you know, Boston did, uh, they just struggled on, on the last round too, right? They went, they went six games. Yeah, they went, Maybe they went, even went seven. Yeah, they went, they went, uh, they went six games. They won four to two. They were down, uh, down three to one actually against Philly. Sorry, you're right. They they did go seven games. Um, Let me ask down- you this: Why why did Philly break away from Doc Rivers? I mean, he, he brought that team around the corner. I mean, what what was it, the did. expectation? He brought that, that, he brought them around the corner. He brought them around the corner, but that's all that's all the farther he brought them. You know, he never could win the big game when it counted, and he turned the program around. Um, but they've now that he turned the program around the last few years, they've stalled every every time the playoffs came around. Well, how many years has he been with them? Three years, right? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm asking you: Was the expectation for the Sixers to be win a championship by now? And I would know, say uh, yes. With with Joel and Beeb, I would say yes. But you know, uh, you have to have the players. Uh, you have to have the players around him. You know, you, it's just not a one-man gang at the, at the NBA, right? You have to, It's a full-team effort. And, um, you know, like that Boston game last night, that was a game of runs. So Boston fell behind really quick, like, by 11 points. And then by the end of the first quarter, they were winning by one point. And then Boston let out the third quarter with like a 19 to four run, took a huge lead. Then Miami came back and took a halftime lead. And then Boston jumped out to a huge fucking third quarter lead. And by the end of the third quarter, start of the fourth quarter, here come fucking Miami Heat. And Miami Heat put on a run at the end of the game and they finished it off. Um, So, I mean, very, very surprising. I'm not so surprised in the Western Conference Finals with uh, Denver and L.A., but Boston and Miami, very surprised so far that it's 0-2, Miami. You know, so with that being said, and with the playoffs, uh, you know, both games going to game three, I think you're going to have to wait for next week's show to find out uh, – who came on top and who's going to be playing in the NBA Finals. So on that note, ladies and gentlemen, as you know here at SOB Sports Network, we'd like the end of the show with our motto. And the motto of the day is, you only die once, but you live every day. Peace, everybody. <laughs>